1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find this program right now and throughout this next hour at 615-737-1045 or you can tweet me at jmartzone. I as always, and blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing great as 2020 continues to speed right along towards February. Super Bowl's coming up on Sunday. We are going to start talking about the football game, but you have to do it kind of in doses, right? Friday, we'll break it down in terms of who's going to win the game. But I do want to talk about one particular aspect of the game here in just a little bit, but Quite frankly, I'm still not fully thinking about football right now. I don't think I'm alone either. You can tell me otherwise, but especially after last night. And folks, they didn't do it to win awards, which is precisely why it was so good and why it should win awards. A lot of times when you're not trying and when you're just real, when you're just raw, You put forth your best work. I can sit down here with page after page after page of notes. And I can script out my takes. And I can make sure everything sounds prim and proper. And it might not resonate. You think about, you know what? You know, somebody actually tweeted me last week and suggested that They're a real big fan of mine, but when I talk about pro wrestling, they change the channel and they can't believe it's even allowed to be spoken of on these airways. And I said, look, this is, that's who I am. I worked in pro wrestling for almost a decade, have written about it for well over two now. It's always going to be a part of what I do, especially when I get into storytelling, because I think it has been as responsible, if, if not more responsible than anything else that I've ever encountered in helping me explain how you tell stories of good versus evil. It's helped me write about television. It's helped me write about movies. But one thing about pro wrestling is even if you are in the back behind that curtain with your opponent, who I'll just call your dance partner in this case, and you are scripting out meticulously every single move that you're going to do. And I've seen this done many, many times in many, many locker rooms. Very talented people. I'm going to drop down. You're going to hit me with a drop kick. Then it's going to be an arm drag. It's going to be a hip toss. Then I'm going to powder to the floor. I'm going to come back in. It's going to be a duck underneath. You hit me with a leapfrog. Then on the other side, I'll hit you with a hurricane rana. You'll go into the corner. And it just goes on and on and on. And then they rehearse it, and they you see them making the motions and everything in the back. That's all fine and well. Until you get into the ring and the crowd's not feeling it that night. There's something in pro wrestling called working on feel feeling the audience, sensing what it is that they want you to do. And that's when your script has to go out the window. 
that is when you simply have to be in the moment and tell the story that that audience wants to see. The one that they are going to emotionally get invested in. Let them tell you what to do next. And then you and your opponent works the story that those people paid money and that they're in the mood to see that night, working on feel. Last night on TNT, they worked on feel, and they worked on their own feel, but their own feel was our feel. They took one break in the pregame prior to the early game, the early like 7 o'clock game where they went and actually played basketball. They took one break over an hour, and that break was less than a minute. And everything else was raw emotion. Folks, without hyperbole, this is the single best thing I've seen on television of any type since the OJ Made in America documentary that won Ezra Edelman an Academy Award years ago. The 30 for 30, five-part series. This was unbelievable television. This was so compelling. And it was cathartic, even if it was also heartbreaking, watching Shaq cry and watching Jerry West cry and watching Dwayne Wade tell the story of Kobe calling him when Dwayne was already out of the playoffs early in his career, but calling to say, you're the best at pick and rolls. How do I handle this pick and roll against this team? And just all the respect from Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley and Kenny talking about how he and his family have run up the hill that the helicopter crashed on. He knew exactly where he was going because he's been in that gym so many times. And just all of this stuff was so raw. And it just, I'm not done thinking and talking about Kobe Bryant just yet. And I think that's okay. And I think it's important to say that. There is a big football game coming up on Sunday. We've got two fantastic radio shows from this radio station down in Miami right now bringing just outstanding content from all walks of sports and entertainment. Just great stuff. And I'm going to break that football game down the way that you come to expect me to. But I want to go back and I want to talk about greatness again. Because I discussed why this death seemed to hit so hard with so many people. And my argument was it was one of the first, if not the highest profile generation inclusive death that we've seen where it didn't matter how old you were, you knew who this guy was and you saw him at his best. And we've seen a lot of things that have come out over the past few days, stories of acts of kindness that Kobe Bryant has shown to families and acts of service and being a coach and many things. We've seen a lot of growth from Kobe Bryant from the young kid at 17 that entered the league. And yeah, he definitely had a giant ego and he wanted to be the best and he was a killer on the floor and sometimes that could be a detriment. And if you want to believe what you want to believe about 2003, you can. But I also said it's fine to mourn imperfect people. Because if it wasn't, then we would never mourn anyone. And no one would mourn you when you died. Luckily, that's not the case. But there's another thought that I had yesterday regarding greatness. 
in sports. As I was, you know, looking at all the Kobe jerseys and everywhere I went, I would see at least one. Even if it was a small place, I went to a concert here in town on Monday night, Kobe jerseys and in the restaurant before we went to the show. They're everywhere. There's tributes everywhere. Eight and 24 all over the place. Duke's wearing them in their warmups. Kentucky's got them on their shoes tonight as they're playing Vanderbilt. Everybody's doing something. Some NBA players are trying to get rid of the 8-24 and 24 out of their own number in honor of him. And some are doing the opposite, think that they want to keep the number in honor of Kobe. Zach Levine actually today said, I don't want to give up my 8. He didn't, it wasn't explained why, but you can guess. He probably idolized Kobe Bryant. That's probably why he has that number to begin with. But here's another aspect of greatness, particularly in sports. But how about just sports and entertainment, period? This is how great this guy was. I don't ever need to say the word Bryant, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. When your first name is enough, if one word is enough, that's larger than life. Think about that. Do you ever need to say the word James? No. All you have to say is LeBron. You don't even have to say Michael. You can say MJ. You can use his nicknames and people know who, he, who you're talking about. If you say Michael, Michael's such a huge name, it could be one of two people that you could gloss with one name. And yeah, there's trouble behind one of those Michaels, meaning Jackson. But in terms of an entertainer and what he meant on a global basis, you never needed to say Michael Jackson. Right here in the state of Tennessee, we have one of those kind of athletes where you use one name and they know who you're talking about. As a matter of fact, we have a couple here in Nashville. I think you say Eddie, most people know who you're talking about here. But if you say Peyton, the world knows who you're talking about. Olympic athletes, it's a little bit tougher. And there are some great athletes where you do need two names. But if I say Kobe, if anybody walks up to you and says Kobe, you immediately flash to the Lakers and you flash to something that the Black Mamba did. One name greatness. You don't need his full government. You don't need any kind of nomenclature at all. You just need two syllables. And I know exactly who you're talking about. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. We have seen through these stories how he touched lives, how transcendent he was. Shaq last night apologized for not being in contact with Charles and Kenny and EJ and all of those people on that dais last night more than he should have been, that he should have been a better friend and that what happened here, he wished he would have had one more time to talk to his little brother, he said, Kobe. And he said the lesson is to be more available. And EJ kind of backed it up. He mentioned the Avid brothers and then talked about, you know, don't waste a minute. Make sure everybody knows. If there's a bridge that needs to be repaired, repair it. And yes, there are people that are taking this moment to go after Kobe for their own benefit, 
to make a name for themselves. And some of them think that they're doing things for the right reason. And yeah, you can talk about many flaws and you can talk about that one story that some people will always believe to be true, no matter what, even if it was found out absolutely to have not been true, people will still probably believe that it was. But I'm still trying to rack my brain at someone else that has passed away that spoke to every generation in some way, shape, or form. We spend a lot of time on this radio station and on every radio station and in every water cooler conversation that we have ever had talking about escapes from a difficult existence. Because we live in a broken world, we're going to experience pain. Sometimes it's going to hit close to home. Sometimes we're going to see it from a distance. But when a death brings seemingly every walk of life together, then I think that there's no reason for us to just rush right on past this and get back to the business of business, the business of talking about this or that. The escapes are always going to be there. People misunderstand compassion. They misunderstand how to be with somebody when they're grieving. I don't know if you've gotten completely over it yet, if you're grieving this harder, if this is the reason why you're involved in sports or the reason why you're listening to this radio station or whatever it might be. But here's what grieving isn't, folks, and here's what compassion isn't. It's very misunderstood and misapplied. What it's not is it's going to be okay and trying to fix it. You desperately want to fix it, but you can't fix it. Compassion, as best as I can define it, is that when you see someone staring into a fire, It's burning them in some fashion. Think of the fire. Think of that blaze as just pure misery, as pain, as grief, as loss, as sorrow. It's not that they want you to put the fire out. You can't put it out. You keep trying, it's just going to get bigger. Nobody wants to hear that in those moments. Talk to somebody that's gone through that. They get so tired of hearing the reassurance that's empty. What compassion is, is sitting there next to that person and just looking into the fire with them. Not trying to fix it. Simply existing. Allowing them to go through that process. And quietly reminding them that they're not alone. So if this death happens to still be hitting you hard, or if any other death is hitting you hard, or if you know someone where it is, I would tell you, just go through this. A Band-Aid's not necessarily going to fix this for a lot of people. We are still seeing many indicators of that as it relates to this. Things can be tough. We lost someone major. How major? The Empire State Building was purple and gold. 
the bridge here in Nashville was purple and gold. Multiple billboards for his death. Last person's death that I saw that had multiple billboards across the city that just seemingly popped up out of nowhere was Billy Graham. Charles Barkley said last night, we're all here because of a stupid little basketball, a stupid little ball. Bringing it back down to earth, just saying, that's why we love basketball. We know how important it has been in our lives. But ultimately, think of the reaction to this. And then remind yourself, this dude was a basketball player. And then remember that escapes are more important than we think. They give us memories with our kids, memories with our parents, memories with our best friends, memories with coworkers, memories alone just watching a screen marveling at today's superheroes, which is what I consider pro athletes to be in 2020. There is no Superman. There is no Captain America. There is no Spider-Man. But there's a LeBron. And there's a Brady. And you know what? Increasingly, there's a Derrick Henry. And there was a Kobe Bryant. So great, folks. That I just wasted a couple of syllables by using his last name. He was so great. I can just say Kobe. And you all have so many memories flooding into your heads. The telephone number is 615-737-1045. I see we got one call on the books. We will take that when we come back. I know we're a little bit over. And then I do want to talk about the big game. But I have another thought for you as well. And we'll hit that next. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. My name is Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find us, 615-737-1045. Ryan Albany's behind the glass. He's spinning the Dodge Radio style for me this evening. And we do have some phone calls. So let's run to those right now. We'll go to Todd. He's in Mount Joyd. He's up first here on the Big Six. Todd, what's up? Hey, Jay Mark, thanks for everything you do, man. You say a lot of great words, and I'm, I know you got a lot of callers behind you, but just to kind of rehash my Sunday, sitting in the garage, my stepson comes out and says, oh, my gosh, Kobe Bryant just got killed in a helicopter. That's the first thing I said, make sure it's not fake news. Go look at ESPN. Go look somewhere else. Make sure this is not fake news. But, you know, there's a lot of people, big-name players, Shannon Sharp and all those people, oh, I didn't cry. Well, I'm not a huge Kobe Bryant fan. I loved him, respected him for what he did. His farewell game made me respect him even more. I'm a head coach of a rec league here at Mount Juliet. We are the Lakers. Mm. And it just killed me. And I probably have never cried so much over an iconic figure. And never had a jersey. Never was just a huge Kobe friend. but fan but admired and respected him but as you said earlier you know people might do this for respect for others of recognizing Kobe but the one thing I'm doing as the head coach of a high school WWBA team here in Mount Juliet we're putting ribbons purple ribbons on our 
cheap jerseys, but we're going to represent Kobe the rest of the way because of what he did and because of his work ethic. And we had a game that Sunday at 4 o'clock. And those boys, every time we broke it down in the huddle, Kobe, Kobe, and they played their tails off for Kobe and worked their butts off and we won. And I know it's a rec league, but in my opinion, it was one of the most iconic losses that I've ever experienced as a 48-year-old man. And I just want to give my hats off to Kobe and you and the way you guys have covered this. It's been nothing but awesome. And I want to thank you, J-Mart. And the way you start your shows, restore, you know, about faith and all that, these are days that sometimes people need help to restore their faith. And off air, sometime I would love to talk to you. and Maybe you help me restore my faith because this is a hard thing to grasp. Why did this happen? But yeah. anyway, it happened. It happened, and we love Kobe. Prayers up to him and his family and all the others that were involved in the crash. And I just want to thank you for everything you do, J-Mart. You're awesome. I appreciate that, Todd. I don't know about that, but I appreciate that. Tweet me at J-Mart Zone. Like I said, my DMs are open. We can have that conversation. I promise you we can, and I appreciate it. And God bless you, brother. Here's one thing. He said, you know, I know it's just a rec league. I want you to know something. I don't know what it is you do. I don't know what your job is. I don't know, you know, how many people you encounter on a daily basis. But I do know this. Even if it's small, you have a sphere of influence. What you should goal to do is be positive. Be someone that is making the community better. That's making lives easier. In whatever your your sphere of influence is. I don't know if it's two or two million. Just be a positive contributor. So it doesn't matter if it's a rec league or if it's the San Antonio Spurs. What you're doing matters in your community, in your neighborhood, on your street. Never think that what you're doing or where you are, you're too small to be a part of a solution or to be someone that's going to brighten somebody else's day. And I often think that some of what I do and the way in which I do it, it may alienate some folks. Matter of fact, I know it does. I mean, obviously, every show is going to have its detractors, but there are people that just flat out aren't going to like me because of some of the things that I say and how I choose to say it. I have to accept that. I also have to accept that it's very possible that my audience may never grow to, you know, astronomical levels. I may not ever be seven or eight figures or, you know, anything to that degree. I can't look at it in terms of filling stadiums full of people that want to hear my voice. One of the things I love about radio is if you are listening to me right now, you can think that I'm talking directly to you. Not at you. I say that all the time, too. There are way too many people behind radio microphones that try to talk at you. I hope that you feel like I talk to you. I think there's more of an intimate relationship between a radio host and an audience than a television host or someone else. Yeah, I know. I've got to play the hits. I've got to talk about certain things. But I also get a chance to tell you who I am. And I get to tell you something from my heart or something that's on my mind. And maybe if it touches you, then that part of the message was for you. 
If some of the other stuff turns you off, then that's fine. But if there's one or two people out there that benefit from something that I say, I have a hard time not thinking that it was worth saying it. And I appreciate those kind words. I really, really do. I have a hard time accepting them because I'm as broken as everybody else, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Steven Bellevue's up next. Steve, what's up? Hey, J-Mart. Uh, listen to your show many times. I'm a first-time caller. Um, I just want to tell you that, first of all, I thought your, your presentation was beautiful, and it usually is. And most of the time, uh, I should say mostly all the time, you make a lot of sense. And I think that's why I like your show more than so many of the other sports shows. But Thank you. What, one of the things you said about sort of wrapping your mind around another death, uh, you couldn't you couldn't think of one. I think maybe that's what I thought I heard you say. But but anyway, um, I'm of another generation older. Right. Uh, and even though the guy was a little older, a lot older than Kobe, and lived a life, I think if you say the word Ali, that would kind of also uh, yeah. trigger a lot of memories and, and bring people together. Because I think his death was, it was meaningful. I think he had a, he made his life very meaningful to people. So that would be my two cents and, and keep on doing what you do. Uh, I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Look, I, I think he came up when we talked about it on Monday and I don't know that he touched the kids because I don't know that they went back and watched the black and white fights or even some of the color fights. I think that the reason why I'm saying this one's a little bit different is because if you were born in 2000, Kobe had been in the league for four years, and by the time you were 10 years old, you would still have seen him win a championship. You saw him win a championship when you were 10, when you were old enough to remember it. The early memories that I have of sports are when I was 9 and 10 years old. I mentioned that on Monday. The Super Bowl where the Bears demolished Tony Eason and the Patriots and Kirby Smart hitting or excuse me, uh, Keith Smart hitting the game winner for Indiana to beat Syracuse in the 87 National Championship. And then from there, I remember a whole lot. But the earliest stuff I remember, that 85 Super Bowl, I remember being at my grandma's house watching it and then the 87 title game. I remember my dad taped every year's championship game and every year's Final Four. That's the first one I remember. I don't remember 86. I don't remember 85. I can tell you who won them because I have eyes and I've gone back and I've you know, seen these things. 87 championships, the first game I remember that wasn't a Virginia Cavaliers game. ACC championship, I think, in 87 also was North Carolina and NC State. I, I went to NC State for a couple of years. But I remember my dad take that ACC championship game. Kenny Smith was in that game. J.R. Reed was in that game. And then on the other side, it was Charles Shackelford and Chucky Brown. And maybe that's actually the first memory. But again, it's 87. It's right around the same time. You could have been born after this guy was already three or four years into the league and still saw him at an elite level when you were old enough to remember it. If you were older, of course you remember it and you witnessed it and you understood it. But I think that's why I thought this one was a little bit different. Let's go ahead and get this call before we get to break. Lori is in a car. We'll go to her now. Lori, what's up? Hey, I'm just listening to you on my way home from work. I appreciate and that. I appreciate everything, y'all. The entire people on the 104 is always just about Kobe, but I also mentioned the other people, too. Sure. So I think it's important. It definitely is. <clears throat> but but I just thinking, I thought there were three names that popped in my head that you said, you know, I felt stunned when they passed away. Mm-hmm. It took me a couple of days to kind of get over it, too, and heavily on my mind. 
one of them was Prince. Yep. And the other one was Robin Williams. Yep. And Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. I appreciate the call. I know we're a little over, so we need to get to break. But those three names, there were people that actually brought those to my attention. Robin Williams, I think, is interesting. But I don't know how many younger folks saw Robin at his absolute best. Like, what was the last, like, Robin Williams movie that really turned heads? I think much of his stuff was done in the 90s and even into the late 80s. Not that he had just completely stopped doing things, but he wasn't doing nearly as many things. Prince, I don't think the younger generation fully grasped anything about Prince. And Dale Earnhardt was in a niche sport. Now, that one did strike a lot of people. And I'm not saying that those were not huge deaths. I'm saying that the Kobe death, the reason why I think that it resonates differently is because it was generation blank. Everyone overlapped with Kobe's greatness. Virtually everybody that, you know, was born at that point in time, even long after he started his career, still saw him at the apex and were able to grow with him and see greatness. And I think that's what separates this one. But I still think those are three excellent names. I appreciate that call. 615-737-1045. What's the X factor? What's the thing that makes this Super Bowl something we should get excited about? We will talk about that next. It's a big six on 1045 The Zone. It is the big six. It is 1045 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. It's how you reach the program. We got one more call I want to go ahead and take. Tommy is in Clarksville, waited patiently through the break. Tommy, what say you this evening? Oh, uh, I, I know Kobe Bryant's death was a real tragic one, and also the other members that was in that helicopter crash along with him. Uh, there's one that I haven't heard nobody mention, and I think you might remember it. You sound like you're about the same, not close to my age. That would be when Davey Allison got killed on his way to the racetrack yeah. in a helicopter. Yeah, um... Look, I, I was born in Martinsville, where there is a speedway, as many NASCAR fans would know. I lived there until 1990. I lived there the first 12 years of my life. In fact, Ryan Albanese, who's my producer, I found out kind of flippantly, is also from basically the same area, Ridgeway. Actually, I think is where he grew up. And so, I mean, NASCAR is something that was around me, even though I was never somebody that paid particular attention to it the way many do. And the Davy Allison crash was a stunner and a shocking moment. And I think maybe NASCAR at that point in time really had a lot of bigger name drivers. It doesn't compare to Kobe and you don't want to compare deaths, but it's, it's not the same as Kobe just because NASCAR didn't have the same impact that does not make it any less tragic. I'm saying that I think there's a reason why this one resonates differently. And if you were going to go with a driver, I think the Earnhardt one might be, the first one that you would mention is the first one that many people did mention, but Allison's is more akin to what happened to Kobe and to the others who passed away. By the way, uh, Kawhi Leonard was talking about Arizabayan, who was the pilot, and he said, quote, flown with him a lot, great guy, super nice. He was one of their best pilots, unquote. So he was speaking to those folks. And, of course, we let off this show on uh, on Monday 
reading the name of everybody because a lot of the airspace, that's a very bad descriptor by me in this case, my apologies, was taken up by Kobe and Gigi. But you can't forget about John and Carrie Altabelli and their daughter who was on that team, Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, who was a coach, Sarah and Peyton Chester, and the pilot, Ara Zabayan. Even though we may know Kobe and Gigi much better, all those families experienced the exact same loss. And all of them do need to be thought of. I think that's really, really important to point out. We're going to talk about Kobe and Gigi. Of course we are. Obviously we are. But we can't lose sight of that. And I, I was really happy that Charles Barkley made that point almost immediately when he was given his first chance to speak uh, last night on TNT. Let's go to Ali in Nashville up next. Ali, what's up? Hey, what's up, Jason? Doing uh, good, bud. That's awesome. Uh, so regarding Kobe, I feel like this is huge because for my generation, uh, we grew up watching him. Yeah. Like, we grew up, like, we used to stay up super late, uh, even here on like here in Nashville. Like, as a kid, I was staying up till midnight watching Kobe play. Uh, it just it hurts a lot more than any death that us millennials have experienced, honestly. Um, and it's just like, wow, um, you're a big superhero, like, super athlete that you looked up to growing up as a kid. He's gone. Um, and it's very unbelievable. Uh, but as you mentioned, though, like, uh, it's very important that everybody does keep that everybody else in their prayers as well, because yeah, we know Kobe and Gigi, but, um, all the other families have suffered huge losses as well. Uh, so yeah. Thanks, Ali. I appreciate it. Right. What are you saying about it being a millennial death and people grew up watching him? Exactly. I was already grown when he started in the NBA. I was Senior year of high school in 96. Graduated May of 97. I saw him when I really could pay attention to him. Generation before me knew what good basketball looked like. The ones that grew up on Gervin and Willis Reed and those kind of folks. Elgin Baylor. Wilt. Jerry West. They knew what they were watching when they saw Kobe. The millennials knew what they, were, what they saw when they were watching Kobe. People of my age at 41 now, same age Kobe was when he passed. We knew what we were watching when we saw Kobe. That, to me, is what makes this one incomparable. Because there's not really, there's not a generation of people, there's not a group that he didn't have some impact on. Even if you don't know basketball, even if you're not a sports fan, I still think that most people would know Kobe if you said the name Kobe. And I don't know that that's true for many other deaths. And that includes like a guy like Prince. Because the younger generation, they don't know Prince. They don't respect Prince the same way. They didn't see all of the glory years. They probably knew he was great, but they didn't get to experience that greatness. We all experience Kobe's greatness. One more call quickly. Alex in Nashville, what's up? Hey, I don't think there's really a death, celebrity death or whatever it's classified as, that compares to Kobe because from a talent standpoint, yes, he was a once-in-a-generation of talent. But not only was he a generational talent, the work ethic 
is probably just as much once in a generation. But Kobe is a model and lived his life as a model of what more people care what others. He didn't care what others thought he should be or how to do it. He was going to work hard, and if you didn't like it, tough. He didn't need you. He also made a mistake in his personal life, and yes. he owned it, yes. and he got better from it on a national stage. The guy risked his life every single day for the helicopter so he could spend more time with his family. Yes. And he knew the risk because him and Vanessa had a pact that they would never be in a helicopter together in case something like this happened. Yeah. He knew what he was doing, and he did it so he could be at home with his kids and wife more. The guy was in a living example of a human being that we all should be. Made a mistake, owned it, learned from it, and got better. I agree. You know what, Alex? If there's one message that I've delivered more consistently than any other message in the history of the Big Six, what is it? If you've been listening to me, you know exactly what it is. It is that your failures do not define you. Your worst moments should not define you. The only way they do is if you allow them to. It's your reaction to the challenges. It's your reaction to the depths. It's your reaction to the shadows. It's your reaction to those failures. That's what ultimately defines you. Yeah, he had a major failing. To what degree, we're not sure, but we know he had a major failing. And he did seem to become a better person in so many ways following that incident. He didn't let it define him. He just kept on working, and he realized it wasn't the end of his book. It was somewhere in the middle. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program. Big six one zero four five the zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Appreciate your contributions via the phone lines. You can always tweet me with more. Just to let you know, with ten nineteen left in the second half at Rupp Arena, Kentucky's got forty eight points, number thirteen team in the country, fifteen and four. Vanderbilt Commodores have fifty points. Yeah, that's right. Vanderbilt's leading Kentucky on the road right now by two midway through the second half. Just wanted to throw that out there. Michaels and Mueller coming up next. Uh, Barney Owry is in. Chris Sanders is here as well. Um, Ned and Bob are otherwise occupied this evening, but I'm looking forward to hearing from the fellows this evening as well. So we have talked a ton of Kobe this week. We haven't talked a lot about the big game, but we're going to. Next few days, that's going to be most of the conversation, depending on what else comes out. I think I'm going to put a pin in what I was going to say about the big game and just say this. This actually came through a phone call, but I had written down, I kind of wanted to mention this. Be careful what you believe, folks. I heard Rick Fox talking about how many people in his life were hurt by the story on Sunday that he was in the helicopter as well. And that, you know, Shaq even mentioned that last night, that it hurt him as well because Rick was also a teammate and a good friend and worked with them at TNT. We have come to a place where what we read, we can't just take at face value and trust. Way too many people read a headline, 
that's misleading and then share that without knowing what the article actually says. I don't want to preach cynicism because that's a scourge. But I do want to say we need to be more thorough in this industry. I need to be more thorough. But we all need to be a little bit more careful. That's why, you know, the caller said the first thing he thought of was make sure it's not fake news. It's me too. I was out when I saw that message come through and I'm just like, well, this is TMZ and they don't usually get this wrong. Paul Walker is one example of one that people didn't think was true and turned out it was. They don't usually get the death stuff wrong. They're very careful in that regard. Then you started, but you still kept waiting for more confirmation. It's sad, but we can't we can't believe what we read. We certainly can't believe what we hear. And there are agendas out there, and there are people that just enjoy having fun during these moments and spreading information that isn't true, misinformation. The story that Mike Tarico told actually bothered me, and his response bothered me. I, I mean, it was classy to a degree, but he tells a story on a podcast about how Gordon Hayward in that final game stepped into the lane when Kobe was shooting a free throw just in case he missed so he'd get another chance at 60. He's talking about these guys care so much, they're so in the moment that they do something like this. And Gordon Hayward said, look, that's false. I would never do that. Kobe would have no respect for me if I wasn't playing to win at every moment. I did not intentionally do that whatsoever. And then Tariko's response to that and Tariko's really good at his job, and Tariko's response to that was, I, I'm really appreciative that he corrected the record on something that I've inferred to be true for such a long time. And the problem there is infer, or whatever the word choice that he used. I don't think it was actually infer, but just the idea that he didn't get that story from anybody. He just kind of assumed that's what it was, and he told that story as if it were true without taking the time just to make sure it was. Again, cynicism, you don't want to be cynical. If you try to see through everything, you'll see nothing. But we got to be cautious, man. We got to be real careful. We got to, whatever you trust, whoever you trust, stick with them. But always make sure to listen to the other side, too. Don't get tunnel vision here. Don't just listen to people you agree with. Listen to people that challenge you. Understand things like that. That's It's dangerous. The Rick Fox stuff and all that. That's going to continue to happen. We got to be real careful. We'll talk a lot of Super Bowl the next two days. Michael's and Mueller's next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.